O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, this, as we just sung, this beautiful, beautiful hymn that is meant for the Advent season. Um, wow, I just love this song. And I love this season of Advent, um, this season of waiting for the birth of Jesus so that we can celebrate it, and this season that's teaching us to wait for Jesus' second Advent, his second coming to the world in glory and justice. Well, to bring, to bring justice and righteousness and peace in its fullness, even as we experience those things in parts in relationship with him right right now right today now oh, this uh this season is a season of waiting um and it's felt like it's felt like this year has been a season of waiting i'm not sure if any of you know this but today is uh when you, as you're watching this it is march 281st yep that's the date <laughs> it's been a season of waiting waiting for this pandemic to end waiting to be able to do things as we have um, come to expect to be able to do them, even just for some of us, just being able to meet together. We're, we're in a season of waiting to be able to do that again because of our, because of health issues or, um, or fears or anxieties or the, all the things that come with, with a pandemic, eh? Because Advent's a season of waiting, I really appreciate now that there are songs that invite us into that waiting and invite us into hope in the midst of that waiting, like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel does. It's one of these great songs that in a year of particular darkness, of the sense of just, well, it just feels dark, it feels heavy, the entire year just feels heavy. By looking at this song and the biblical foundations of this song, I think it will enable us to be able to have hope in the midst of our waiting. Waiting for the celebration of Christ's birth at Christmas Day, but even more than that, our waiting for Christ to come again and to bring all things to right. We'll receive a greater appreciation then by by looking at the biblical context, like this song is actually really steeped in biblical imagery. It's really beautiful. By just scratching the surface of that, I think it will give us a greater appreciation for the song, but also give us greater hope every time we sing it. Not just hope in a general sense, but hope in a person, in the person of Jesus, um, about whom this song is about. Last week, we took a look at the first verse which started, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And these titles that start out each of the verses are actually proclamations of who Jesus is. They're titles. They tell us something about, about God's character, about Christ's character, and about how we relate to him, and about what he's doing in the world, even. And so last week we said, it's a, the, the first verse was, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is God with us. And we were reminded that Christ has come and Christ will come. And so we have this interesting double advent where we now are able to look at that first advent at Christmas time with wonder and awe as we also look to that second advent with anticipation 
and hope. Today, that first verse, or that first, the first title in the, in the second verse of the song is Dayspring. And here's the verse. O come, O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come thou dayspring. It's an interesting phrase. And, um, The, the immediate question is, well, what what does that phrase have to do with Jesus? Why would the author of this um, hymn think that Dayspring is an accurate title for who Jesus is and God's and God's character in Christ? And maybe you maybe you can guess it. The the he's getting this from the Bible. Um, the the uh, this phrase Dayspring or um, in some translations, morning star or sunrise is found related to the coming of Christ in Luke chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Luke chapter 1, the Gospel of Luke uh, chapter 1. And the core part of it is it starts in verse 76 of chapter 1. Now we're not going to read all of chapter 1, obviously, but just a little bit of background in the run-up to verse 76, and as you turn there in your Bibles. Uh, Luke's gospel really focuses on the story of Mary. having uh, Luke having spoken to, it seems that Luke actually spoke to Mary. Uh, it talks about her treasuring the stories up that are shared here in her heart, and there's an implication that Mary actually shared some of them. Uh, but he's trying to write to a Gentile audience while while also um, ensuring that those who read it who are Jewish are uh, are able to see how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and all of the prophecies about the Messiah that the Old Testament brings. And so he starts out with talking about not the not Mary and not Jesus, but about John the Baptist and about Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth is married to a man named Zachariah who served in the temple. And Zachariah and Elizabeth at this point in their lives, uh, when, uh, around the time of Jesus' birth, were very old. They weren't, they weren't able to have children and they had asked God and asked God and asked God to, to allow them to become parents. And it was at this time in history that God actually broke in and, and, actually, and moved really powerfully in, in Zechariah's life. You can read about it in Luke chapter 1 to say to him, you are going to have a child. It is certain. And Zechariah, receiving that message from an angel didn't believe the angel. He said, how can, how can I know that you're actually telling me the truth? And the angel said, well, you'll know, you'll know I'm telling the truth because it's going to happen. And because you doubted me, you can't speak now until the baby's born. And for nine months, Zachariah could not speak. Now, just imagine that for yourself. If an angel came to you and you didn't believe them about a message, and then they said, well, you're going to be 
silent for nine months. Um, how would that, how would that, how would those nine months play out for you? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be really hard. And if you're a parent, you can just imagine that. If you're a, if you're a mother, imagine the father having been silent for nine months or, and, and not being able to speak and even wanting to and just not being able to. Well, fast forward to the time when this baby is born. That happens at the end of chapter 1 of Luke. And Zechariah first sees John, uh, John the Baptist, who would, become, who would be known as John the Baptist, but his name is John. He sees him and immediately begins to be able to speak. And the first thing he does is praise God. Then make sure that uh, John is named John and has him circumcised. And then he has this beautiful song that prophesies over his son. The first part of it is thanking God for sal- the salvation that is to come in Christ. So you can read that on your own if you'd like. That starts in verse 67. And then in verse 76, he begins prophesying over his son. And he says this, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And did you catch where the title Dayspring comes from? The rising sun, in my translation, the NIV, in verse 78, because of the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven by the by the by the, the 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 morning star by the day spring Jesus in Zechariah's mind is this rising sun is the messiah coming from heaven to shine light on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide their feet into the path of peace Jesus, well, Zechariah first off prophesies uh, something, some interesting things about his son. He says, you will be a prophet, um, which, is, which is a pretty big deal. There hadn't been an official prophet within the, within, within the, uh, the people of God for some time, even though God was at work and speaking to his people. There hadn't been somebody who said, who, who God gave this office to in a very long time. And this prophet is to prepare the way for the Lord uh, and give knowledge of salvation. That, 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 that was John's entire mission, to, to tell people about, to, to give people the knowledge of salvation which comes through the forgiveness of their sins. And it's all because of God's mercy and this rising sun, this, this brand new day that is about to burst forth in the world. And that sun shines on those in darkness and the shadow of death and enlightens their path. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who shines light into the darkness and removes the shadow of death and enlightens our paths. And on long nights, 
like the one that we are experiencing in this COVID time, like the one maybe you'll see, I'm recording this at night, like this long night tonight. Jesus can speak into the, the, that our longings and our desires and can speak past our, can see, can see past our hopelessness to see our hearts and to guide them towards himself. Sunrises can cut through the longest of nights. Um, when I was working in a science center up, up, uh, up north in, in my hometown, we used to do these things called camp-ins. This is where uh, a school group of often about 100 kids would, would come up to the science center at 7 p.m., uh, they would they would start their program and they wouldn't be allowed to leave the center until 7 a.m., 12 hours. And in those 12 hours, they often didn't sleep. And that's both by choice and because I sprayed them in the face with water from a water gun. So, I don't know. But the important thing is, that's a really long night. 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. That's a very... That's a very long night when you're trying to... Uh, to entertain school-aged kids, but also just entertain yourself to get the night, to, to, to help the night go past, because right around four o'clock, everyone starts to crash. Around four, maybe five, everyone just says, oh, I want to go to bed, and you have to just push through. Don't go to bed, you just had to push through. What I began to do to help me get through the night is at the end of the night, the, um, the science center is situated on a very large lake and um, it had this beautiful glass facade with, uh, with a winding path through it. So when the sun rose, it rose over the lake directly, um, directly into, the, into, the, um, into the windows of the center. So every morning, I would wait for that sunrise and as it was happening, just take a couple of pictures. Let me tell you, I've never seen a sunset as beautiful as a sunrise, as, as some of those sunrises. I still have pictures of them that I keep on my, on my computer. I'll take a look at every once in, every once in a while. Sunrises, we, I, don't think we, I don't think most of us see sunrises very often. We don't pay attention to them because they're, they signify the start of days and we're so discipled into thinking of, of the day as just being work-related rather than a day being a gift from God that we get to enjoy and experience to his, his, we get to experience as, as a, as a sign of his goodness and his glory in this world. Sun rises are, excuse me, very often better than sunsets. They're, they're almost always more beautiful. They're almost always more calm and they signify a new day with new potential that is, that is just arising from the horizon. Jesus is that day spring for all of history. Jesus is the day spring of all of history. Of human history and of our personal histories. That when Jesus comes on the scene, we can know that everything that we did in the past, in, in the darkness of the night, no longer means 
anything because of the forgiveness that comes with the new day that Jesus brings. He has, just as John the Baptist is going to proclaim, we, ha- we can have knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of our sins. And it comes through Jesus. Jesus shines on us in the darkness of our sin, in the darkness of our rebellion against God, against God's will, against God's purposes for us. And he removes the shadow of death, that while we may still experience death in this life, its shadow, its long shadow, has disappeared because we know that death has been defeated and we will rise again. And Jesus shines the path of how to live our lives as as human beings as we were designed to live. Jesus is the day spring of history. Jesus is that sunrise that shines light in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. But did you notice there's another um, title for Jesus in that passage? And that title is Lord. Right at the beginning in verse 76, you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. The Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. And how does this king rule? This king rules like a morning sun, like the sunrise. Which I think means that this is, Jesus' rule is not so much about power as it is about character. That Jesus' character is what, um, is what guides, the, the, guides his ruling over history. It's why these titles are so important. Emmanuel, God with us. Dayspring. Um, Lord, these titles tell us something not about God's, not about Christ's power that he wields over us, but about his character that he invites us to conform ourselves to and that we're only able to do because of his power at work in us by his spirit and because of, because of his work on the cross that... That, that, that puts us into right relationship with him. Jesus is king and his rule is about character, not about power over. So when this day spring comes, when this light shines in the darkness, it casts away darkness and it proclaims God's mercy. That mercy is this knowledge of salvation that will guide us on our path towards peace. Peace with God and peace with ourselves and peace with others. This is the power of the gospel. To people who are anxious, who are uncomfortable in their own skin, who don't have it all together. Anyone does that does that sound like any of you? Does that sound like you? To people who are who are weary, who are who are questioning, who are 
trying to figure life out the best they can, who don't have it all together, but who are trying their best. There is good news that's proclaimed. God has made a way for us to have peace with him. And by having peace with him, we can have a peace that transcends and envelops every other part of us. So our peace is found in Christ and our identity is found in Christ and our purpose is found in Christ. We no longer, when, when we enter into relationship with God, we really take it seriously that we treat God as God, as one who can direct the course of our lives, as one who requires a responsive obedience to his grace um, given to us. When we really take this relationship seriously, it transforms us from the inside out. And it transforms us primarily because of this light shining in the darkness. This God who sent his son to make a way for us to have peace with him is, well, just, it just transforms. We don't have to, as humans, construct our own identity. We don't have to choose, well, this is who I think I am. We don't have to look for belonging in a million different places, and we don't have to put our ultimate trust in the opinions of others and what other people think of us. When we are in Christ, we are given a new identity in Jesus. We're actually given Jesus' identity. We, um, we, we share our lives with him. And then the only opinion that matters is, 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 is the opinion of God. And we're told that if we trust in Jesus by faith, when, when God looks at us, he's not going to look and see a, a person who is, who is sinful and has broken desires and who tries but always fails. If we are trusting in Jesus, God will look at us and see the character of Jesus instead of our own. So long as we continue to trust, continue to repent of those times that we do sin, and continue to seek to live lives as God designed for us to live, he will give us uh, an all-new identity. God will give us our purpose, and God will give us peace. It's all in Christ. And it's all because of God, in his mercy, sending Jesus to make a way for us. And in response now, we follow that way that he has made. And so when we sing this verse, it reminds us of all these things. Let's read it again. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Isn't that just a great description of a new day? Watching a sunrise. 
O come thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by your advent here. It's crying out, we need a new day. We need this darkness to go away. We need the shadow of death to be vanquished. And we need our paths enlightened by the gospel of God. So come dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thy advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. And then we can now sing within, with, with this increasing exp, the, the, uh, praise of what God has done in Christmas and the expectation of Christ's second advent. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, rejoice, because the day has come. Our spirits can be cheered because of Christ's advent then and to come. And so disperse these gloomy clouds of night, even now in the season of COVID. And help death's dark shadows be put to flight by the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of our sins and knowing that Christ has defeated death. And so we will not feel its sting. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. My prayer for us today is this, friends, that we would be a people who are finding our peace in Christ, our identity in Christ, finding our purpose in Christ as we seek to live according to the path that he has laid out for us and enlightens and, and our way forward with. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for the ways that you have worked in history. And I thank you that Jesus is the day spring of history. Today, Father, I'm, I'm reminded of your grace and of your, uh, of your forgiveness of my sin. And I thank you for that. Thank you that you have made knowledge salvation possible. And not because of anything that we did, but because of your tender mercy for us. Thank you for sending Jesus as the, 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 as the, as the day spring, as the morning sun, the rising sun of history from heaven. We ask that you would continue to shine your light, Jesus, on those living in darkness, and that you would cause the shadow of death to flee from our midst. Give us hope in the midst of sorrow. I pray especially this morning for the Strickland family at West Highland as they experience that shadow uh, with, the, with the death of their son Jude. And um, especially for them, Father, this, this, well, today, I ask that your, your son would shine in the darkness of that situation and cast away the shadow of death to give their family hope in you greater hope and dependence. And I pray that 
you would give us that same hope as you guide our feet into the path of peace and make us into people who, have, who find our peace in you, who find our identity in you, Jesus, and who find our purpose in living in you as we respond to your grace by following the way that you have made. Be with us this week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.